Hello and welcome to the Travelling Ergonomist podcast. I'm your host, Kirsty Angra, and my job as an ergonomics consultant is to educate people on how to get their bodies into neutral postures. And in today's professional world, with the prominence of agile and remote working, ergonomics is more important than ever. So sit back, relax, and let's navigate the workplace together. you so much Stephen for being on the podcast with me um we met probably I think I don't know three months ago two months ago Uh, about three months ago I believe we were at a um seminar that the Chartered Institute of Ergonomics and Human Factors put on and one of the ladies speaking was um from the Well Institute and I think that's probably part of the reason why you were there as well is that right that's right. Yes, Vicky Lockhart was speaking. Um, very um, nice lady, been extremely helpful to me in my journey. And yes, I saw she was doing an event and I came along to support and listen to her because I always enjoy hearing her speak. Yeah, and I ended up getting the opportunity to sit next to you, which was great. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had, to, you had to head off to another conference. You were busy that night. I don't remember which one that was, but uh, probably, yes, I, I do go to, I try and go to two or three events a week because there's just so much information to assimilate now. And uh, it's, you know, the world's moving so quickly. So, yeah. There is definitely. Well, um, I'm glad to have you on the podcast. And for those who are listening, who don't know who you are, can you tell us a bit about your story? Yeah, so my story is I was pretty much um, in a corporate uh, treadmill. Uh, I was a, a lawyer, a partner in a, in a city law firm. I've been doing real estate and property law for over 20 years. Um, I, I, I did enjoy it. I, I, wouldn't say that, I couldn't say that I hated it. I had a passion also running at the same time for, uh, for wellness. So I've been practicing yoga for 20 years and I was interested in fitness and meditation and then about five or six years ago, I think, um, my yoga teacher, who funny enough is actually popping around for a cup of tea after this uh, podcast, he's 83, he's a great, great inspiration to me, <laughs> uh, suggested that, well, well, one day he said, could, could we meet? And, and uh, I thought, okay, well, this would be interesting because normally when we meet, it's, he needs me to help him to do something. So, you know, it could be um, a problem with his neighbors or a problem with a yoga studio, which I'll happily help. But he sort of sat me down in this uh, Indian restaurant uh, in the middle of Saturday afternoon wearing his sunglasses. <laughs> He's like an old, an old fashion photographer from, from, from Italy. And he, you know, he was, he was a great, one of the great yoga influences now. And he said, oh, I've got this really great idea. I think you should try and combine you know, yoga and, and buildings and, and community. And I thought, what a great idea. And that kind of set me on my journey a little bit. Um, and around the same time, I noticed... I noticed in the press, one day I opened up the property press and there I saw this really interesting article on healthy buildings. And I was like, my God, you know, it's a bit of a eureka moment, actually, although I don't have a bath, so I'm too sustainable to have a bath. So I, did, <laughs> I, didn't, jump out, I didn't jump out of the bath. I sort of high-fived myself in the shower, you know. Uh, and, um, uh, and I was like, God, this is, this, is, this is the future, you know. And I worked some long hours as a lawyer and... and it just struck a chord with me because you sit in these buildings sometimes for hours and you've got no idea what they're doing to you. You don't feel that great afterwards. I mean, that's, you know, that's um, just long hours, but, but actually, you know, suddenly I thought, my God, if building can actually work in harmony with your health, it'd be amazing. You know? And so I, I started the journey and I, I, um, I looked up Vicky, actually, I think I had a meeting with her a good few years ago and um, I made an application to go to the Global Wellness Summit two years ago to speak on buildings and health and I accepted it. And so I did a lot of research and then um, I did my teacher training as well in yoga about five years ago and started teaching part-time and now full-time. And I've taught all over the world, Middle East, um, Europe, and um, worked with with some big companies um, like Google, BDO, Knight Frank, Clutton's, uh, charities, tech companies. So that gives me a sort of behavioral angle on it as well. So I'm really interested in that. Um, but also, I, I, property is in my DNA. You know, I, I've, I, I, I just get it and understand it. And so 
Um, for me, it's kind of the two, the two things run in parallel. And about 18 months ago, I decided to, to quit, quit the law and just focus full time on wellness. And that's been happening in a couple of ways. So I've been doing the teaching and just getting into some work with buildings now. So I've got my Well AP qualification at the end of last year. And then I did uh, apply to be part of the Well Faculty Programme, which is um, a sort of higher level uh, group of us who mm -hmm. go around speaking about it. And, and that was, I was accepted on that. And uh, now I'm just beginning to get in some projects, you know, that the industry's woken up every week. You'll read about wellness in the, in the property industry. Well, I mean, actually, wellness permeates everything now, doesn't it? I mean, it's coming into technology, to fashion, to real estate, you know. I know, I know this is a question for another time, but you know, what is it? Is it a mindset? Is it a yeah. asset class? Is it an industry? Is it a movement? You know, it's, it begs the question, doesn't it? So anyway, so I guess the easiest way to describe me is a 360 wellness consultant, working a lot with people and organizations, with particular emphasis on buildings and, and sleep as well as yoga meditation. <laughs> That's that's an impressive resume, I think. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm curious, though, to, to start off with, when you were a lawyer and working in that corporate yeah. world, did you actually have any conversations around health and well-being, or did anyone come to you about health and well-being in the workplace? Well, I start. I actually started teaching yoga at my previous firm, and and um, you know, I was doing that voluntarily because I, I I felt it it, it would be beneficial to people, and, and it was very well received. And they carried on uh, teaching, getting teachers in after I left, which is great. So I started something there. Mm -hmm. um, I was very, I, I, I did a big talk on the whole idea of this healthy buildings. And that went down very well. And I think it really resonated with people. Um, you know, the, we, we were, my previous firm, that we weren't in a position to move premises or refurbish and that's the time really when you start looking at the standards and, and you know they were doing they were actually pretty good in terms of running some programs and um you know mental health awareness and other things so um uh you know they they were uh, they were doing they were doing things yeah and would you say it was successful were people feeling more healthy more productive more comfortable in their workplace and even outside the workplace or was it still just at the very beginning of the program i think it's too early I, I mean i wasn't really looking at looking at their 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 wellness programs in any detail yeah. i mean there's so much you can do and of course you know you were you, you picked up on the word productivity and that and that is such a such a loose term and i mean i mean for lawyers as well it's it's not loose actually because it's like how many hours have you yeah. recorded how much have you built and it's you're measured on everything you do so it's quite an easy way to see whether people are, are performing or not but for everyone else in other industries it, it's a much harder you know what does it mean is it mean collaboration creativity you know these things are difficult and I think um, I still think it's very difficult to actually unless you've got a full integrative program and actually you 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 know we we use, we use the dreaded word data. You start collecting data because the only way you're really going to tell. I mean, um, I mean the firm where I was involved in doing um, teaching some yoga, that you know that that that, that Harbottom Lewis that's picked up in a very big way, and they have very very big engagement now with 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 their um, classes, and they're very popular. Um, but I do I do think um, the more that organisations do, the better, frankly. Definitely. I, it's interesting that we talk about productivity as well, because like you were saying, lawyers, you, you kind of, your productivity is based on how many hours you're billing and how much you're recording and that kind of thing. But does that necessarily mean that it's quality work and you're actually adding value to the client and things like that? So there's kind of a two pronged thought process to that, isn't there? Oh God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, don't get me started on that, but, uh, <laughs> It's, uh, it's, it's no way to live your life just, just to be measured by how many hours you record. And, uh, but, but, you know, it's, it, it, that's the metric. So yeah. in any business, it has ways of measuring. So you, you do have to look at that, I suppose. Yeah. What made you become a well AP versus anything else or be part of any other institution? I think I, as I read into it, I was really impressed by the fact that this was a standard that had seven years of scientific research behind it the guy that set it up was a banker so i kind of resonated with someone from the corporate world do, doing it um 
I thought it was very thorough in how it looked at everything. You know, originally there were seven metrics, uh, air, light, water, fitness, mind, nutrition, comfort. Now there are 10, so I've expanded mm-hmm. into community, sound and materials. Um, and it just, just the levels of, of detail in it, I thought was, was particularly impressive breaking everything down. And I really like the idea that it was behavioral as well. So you'll see some standards more on the sustainability side that don't um, try and influence people's behavior inside the building. And this one does. And this one is trying to, to generate change. You know, we're asking ourselves, what, you know, what can we do each day to make ourselves actually healthier? And I, and I liked that. And I liked the, the, the broad spectrum. And it seemed to me to be to be the one i mean the other one obviously is fit well which is um, not yeah. quite as popular as well uh and it, it's it's cheaper i mean certainly but it doesn't seem to be as comprehensive as well and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be training in fit well um uh I'll finish my training pretty soon in that but i would still favor well i think okay. that's the one I mean, you, you know you look at you look at the list now of the companies that uh you know are um behind well and it's 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 growing all the time and it's just, you know, it's, 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 it's just massive. You know, you've got, you've got uh, a huge organization buying from huge organizations now around the world um, that, that um, endorse it. Uh, plus, you know, the, um, the, the International World Building Institute people in, in the UK, extremely nice, extremely helpful, Anne-Marie and, and Vicky, um, always just so helpful. Um, so, um, friendly and pointing people in the right direction. So that, that, that and, and also the American team as well were, were really, really helpful. So. so you've had a good experience with them. I actually, um, I spoke to Anne Marie on the podcast a few months ago, and she was great oh, really? on that as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, she is great. She is great. She, she's. Um, uh, they're both just extremely nice ladies and very passionate about what they do. And as I say, you know, the, if you look at who's actually doing well, you know, British Land, Crown Estate, Landsec, Heinz, Lendlease, Oxford Properties, those are massive prop codes in the UK. Massive. Mm-hmm. You know, real estate, um, construction design, you know, you've got CBRE, Colliers, Kindle, Cushman and Wakefield. You know, you've, got, you've just got buying from, from heavyweights already. So I think that's a big endorsement in itself. Absolutely. And I think it's definitely a great push for us to affect people's health and well-being, you know, in the workplace and within buildings and environments. What I'm curious about, though, is even though you have these massive names, you know, who, who have subscribed to well and health and well-being in their workplace, what happens then to the smaller business? You know, SMEs are still around. There's, we, you know, they form a major part of our world, small, small businesses. How do we help those businesses engage with health and well-being it's absolutely a fair point and and we often say with a secondary market it's not happening so much yeah and that's really because there is a cost implication Mm -hmm. and some of the big developers the the huge conglomerates are able to experiment and try schemes and and have the money to invest the smaller companies don't and or or need education and even the mid-tier market you know, is, is behind. But, but interestingly enough, now I think landlords are seeing this as a differentiator to, in order to entice tenants. They need to say that. Yeah. Certainly when you're looking at the issue of the war on talent, organisations implicitly understand they've got to attract younger people however they can and hold them. So organisations, you know, where, where predominantly they may have invested in other areas they need to invest in wellness now just to keep the staff and of course that has a huge knock-on effect to productivity however we measure that but certainly staff retention company image mm-hmm. um, presenteeism so i think i think that there will be a reappraisal of this and so i don't know where where the reallocation will come in terms of sort of company resources but i think it will be recognized as pretty much essential and interestingly enough, if you look at the, um, give you some data, some stats here. If you look at the the recent ULI report, which was published in uh, in the summer, uh, just a couple of months ago, uh, they talk about 
you know, the biggest reason people wanting to actually engage in wellness is, is to do with um, company policy. Okay. So that, that, that seemed, you know, funnily enough, and, and, and competitiveness. So that was actually the highest factor that came in when organizations were asked about why would you invest in wellness? That was that was that was that was higher than, for example, you know, um, tenant demand or um, attracting tenants. That that's going to change, but so so people see it see it as an organisation issue. Yeah, absolutely. I and I guess it depends on you know, when when you work for a small to medium sized business. I guess the idea of community is a, is more engaging because you're you're in closer proximity to everyone. You sort of get to know the team a bit better because there's a smaller number of you, which maybe not be the case when you go to these bigger organisations. There's still community, obviously, but it becomes harder to engage a community of people when you get to the thousands and tens of thousands of employees. So maybe small and medium businesses just have. Um, a better understanding a better take on some of the factors of well and versus some of the other factors and it's just about knowing what are our strengths and what are our weaknesses right now look i mean anyone can anyone can make a nice design anyone can really put a stick a few plants in the office but it's really the invisible invisibles like air quality your yeah. air quality is bad your cognitive function is going to suffer and so good air there's a wealth of studies out there. In fact, you know, it's a bit of a joke, but all the reports on air suck the oxygen out of the room. I mean, you know, there's so much coming on, coming out about indoor air quality all the time. But so the invisibles are important and, and they can be overlooked because that can be, that can be an expensive item to look at on a refurbishment. You know, do yeah. we need to, to put a new filtration system in? You know, how good is this? How bad is the air outside? Normally it's pretty bad. So we need to ensure that the air inside is protected and clean. So the air quality is a big one, I think, and that's something that people can do something about. Light is also a big one. You know, in Germany, they have a right to light as workers. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. You know, uh, here we're beginning to wake up to the fact that light is so important and not just um, in terms of being able to see, but affecting the circadian rhythms and uh, our body clocks and our mood generally and our sleep. Mm. Um, interesting enough, you mentioned the word community, and I do think this is such an interesting topic because everyone bangs on about community but no one really knows what it means that's and true you talk you know it's the buzzword okay and and believe me we, we can all do with a bit more community <laughs> but you know whether that means bike racks or or you know amenity areas you can provide them but how do you bring them to life you know the alchemy is in actually creating the community you know there's an awful lot of of uh, um I was going to say, you know, a lot of rubbish spoken about community, you know. So it, the clever people are the ones that actually really understand how to curate community. And I read something really interesting the other day about something called repair cafes. Have you heard of these? It's a great idea. Come over from Australia where you get old people, older people and younger people, younger people bringing in something that they can't fix and older people fixing it. That's a brilliant idea. I love it. I did I did hear about that actually. I think one of the mm. manufacturers in London they set up something similar a couple months ago where you could bring an item in your home that's broken, you know, like your Nutri bullet or, you know, something yeah, techie. Bring exactly. it in and they'll have experts to help yeah. fix it. You yeah. know, sustainability, I guess. Yeah. No, I mean it's 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 great. It's great. And 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 that's the that's a great example. I mean community in the workplace is important. I'm not I'm not knocking that. I think I think you, you, you can, you know, there's a lot of design around areas that are collaborative. So it does bring people together because if yeah. you are happier at work, the stats show you're something like three times as likely not to leave. You know, you'll be a happier person if you've got engagement at work. You know, smaller companies, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're yeah. very together all the time. Bigger companies, it's not, not, not so much. So I think, I think it, you know, it's horses for courses and we need, we need to be careful that we're not, we're not just, subscribing to yet another media hype yeah. of, of terms by using the word community and we actually don't know a what it means and b how to create it do you have any thoughts on on what it means to you or how we do create it within a building yeah well within a building i think i think you you know i think the the, the, the amenity areas do need to be better uh you know having the kitchen having good areas to eat that, that are enticing that are uh, creative, 
Another big one is actually putting staircases in the middle of buildings. And you'll begin to see this now, open staircases. Traditionally, the staircase has been somewhere where you had a fag, you know, yeah. during a lunch break <laughs> or, or uh, I was going to say a snog behind a bike shed, but that's probably not right. But, you know, you, 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 you know, these dark areas that no one really, you know, no one really inhabited. So those kind of areas, making them more social, there's a big drive in, in the standard to actually make those areas a more appealing so that people actually move around and b to make them more visible. Yeah, I know. I love it. A lot of businesses that I'm working with at the moment are creating in, you know, uh, central staircases for that exact reason that you do have the opportunity. Well, firstly, to move more and creates movement around the office. That's obviously going to benefit your well-being. But also, yeah, so you can you walk past people in the middle of the staircase, you have a quick chat and you you might organize something there. So it's I think it's definitely a, a good way forward. Yes. Yes. No, definitely. Definitely. When we talk about well-being, and obviously well have their their ten kind of protocols, mm. is there one of those ten that you're really really passionate about at the moment, or do you feel that everything is as equal? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, I think I mean I'm really into light at the moment, so I wrote about light recently in Work in Mind because I find that fascinating. Okay, this whole idea, and there's a really good book out there called Chasing the Sun by Linda Geddes. Okay. Um, which is really good to read. Light. I mean, I mean, air, air is fundamental. I think mind is obviously one that appeals to me because it's getting into some of the programming on on corporate wellness and mental health and beauty and design and sleep. But I think they're all very interesting. I mean, materials is a great one. You know, this idea that you've got to, uh, you know, this big drive now on 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 safe materials, on yep. safer materials. Yep. So it'd be very difficult to really separate one of them. I mean, community is one I'm looking at, obviously, but it, but it, yeah. So uh, it'd be very difficult. All, all of have them. To work to, yeah, they all have to work together. That's the whole point, really. The problem comes when organisations say, "Oh, you know what? Um, we'll just do that that part of the standard, and we won't go for the certification, or we haven't quite got enough money. We'll just do this part." And then it's like, well. You actually need to set the target because otherwise you won't, you will, you will stop doing various items in it when you, when you decide that you don't want to spend any more money. Whereas if you commit to it, you, you do the whole lot. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And I think actually it will become tradable. You know, people, you know, we, we haven't seen any properties traded with the standard. We'll come on to, to that later, but you know, this is why it's important to do the whole thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. And actually, yeah, why don't we talk about buildings? and that that now because um i'm interested i'm interested in buildings and real estate and hospitality as well mainly because my dad has well i've grown up in the hospitality industry my whole life my dad's been a general manager of hotels all around the world we've 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 traveled with him you know singapore mauritius south africa germany and and the uk so I have a very um deep passion for the hospitality industry and how it works how people function and what their design environments like and I definitely see hotels um moving in a in an in a direction where they're hosting more work business people and you know where that kind of stuff's happening what are your thoughts on that how how is the hospitality industry changing around wellness yeah and 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 building design around the the real estate around the real estate um in one word or two words, extremely slowly. Okay. It's, it's, it's very, very slow. Uh, certainly, we've seen the office market really go for the standards. We're talking about the standard, and, the, and, and really we are, because we're talking about the real estate. Hotels are way behind, and it's a shame, actually. And, and funnily enough, there was a great session on wellness and hotels at the summit in Singapore, and there's a lot of talk about wellness programs, which are great, you know, it's just more of the same, really. Some of them, some people do it well, some won't. There's a lot of talk about different kinds of wellness for different kinds of travellers, business traveller, or you've got your medical wellness traveller or your, your luxury spa traveller. A lot of talk about making, incorporating wellness programs for the staff. And these are all great. And I'm, and I'm really, you know, I'm really pleased that those conversations are being had. But the elephant in the room is really what, what are you doing about the building? And, and people are not doing anything about the building. They're, they're really not. It's almost like they don't want to talk about it. 
you know, um, what are you doing about the air quality? What are you doing about, you know, and, let, and let's face it, you know, the millennials and, and, and younger generations are, are a little bit, a little bit angry about the state of the world at the moment, and a little bit, <laughs> a little bit inquisitive about exactly what you do, just because you say you've got this product, do you actually do it? So you're, you're calling yourself a hotel that, that's all about wellness, and yet your air, your air quality is terrible. Uh, the, the cleaning materials are, are not right. The food you're serving isn't healthy. You know, you can go into tons of it. Mm -hmm. it, it, it it's just, it's just basic, but it's not being done. You know, why is it it's so slow? Well, I think hospitality is very slow to change as an industry. You know, you, you, it hasn't really been disrupted. I mean, Airbnb disrupted it. You know, to some extent, the OTAs yeah. disrupted it massively, but. This whole movement, I mean, real estate is a conservative industry anyway, if you're talking about the actual bricks and mortar side, you know, things do take time to change, but we're seeing disruption across real estate now, with co-working, co-living, lease length shortening. So I think, you know, the, the, ne the next wave will be people saying in, very, in the same way that they look at on the back of a piece of food and see what the ingredients are, they'll be saying, well, show me the ingredients of the room. I want to know the, I want to know the sustainability story. I want to know the health story. And if it's not good enough, now that's the future. But, yeah. you know, people are already, I think, you know, there, I, I've heard of developers where, where students from China are asking whether the paint is low VOC paint in, in the, in the, uh, the rooms that they're, that they're, no, that, that, that's the level of awareness that there is. And so, I think it's only going to improve, increase and people are going to be demanding um, energy efficient solutions, eco-friendly solutions, social impact solutions. And, 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 that, and that's the hospitality industry has got a huge way to go to get there. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I spend a lot of my time actually in hotels, um, having business meetings, mm. especially because I'm in the Midlands and lots of people are traveling through the Midlands to get to London or Manchester. Mm. And so it's a good hub to grab meetings in hotels, um, you know, in the Marriott or the Hilton and, and those types of big chains. And you walk in and there is literally suits everywhere sitting down, having their meetings on their laptops and the furniture that they're using is horrendous. They're all slouched over their <laughs> laptops and on these, you know, really low seats that are close to the floor. <laughs> oh, you're having an ergonomic field there, aren't you there? Excuse me. Do you, have you you're just like waving your hand. Excuse me. Do you, have you seen how bad your yeah. posture is? <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Can I just break into that conference call you're having in the States and tell you that your, your posture is awful? Honestly, yeah, no. I, I wish yeah, I was no, brave I, enough I, to I, do it, but I would do it. It's horrendous. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's got a long way to go. Uh, it's got a long way to go. How, well, how do they start then? Is it just more awareness and them starting to follow the real estate industry in terms of corporate real estate? I think you you might start to see some some you might start to see one or two people have an attempt. There's not, to my to my knowledge, there's not one hotel that's registered for, for for an application for this standard in the UK. There's plenty that are calling themselves wellness hotels, but they're not doing any of this stuff. They may be doing bits and pieces, but then you've got to sort of really work out how far that goes, how credible it is. Um, are they really committed to it? But unlike the sustainability. <coughs> movement which has really come been generated from if you like investor level the wellness revolution is all about it's coming from the other end it's coming it's consumer driven so you know i think you might start to see consumers demanding it and if they start to demand it then um then there is a sea change and the hotels that start to you know that are built or refurbed or uh, adopt all this i think will will we'll have a big competitive advantage you know I mean, at the moment, we're still in this idea of real estate having to perform pound per square feet, you know, so that let's, you know, I, and I know this because I've been involved in, in detail in, 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 um, in looking at some of these projects and, you know, hotels will sometimes not even have a gym because it's not cost effective. They'll call themselves, you know, I know you can go to the gym down the road or you can get, you know, so it's all about, you know, when, 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 when bottom line revenue is your driver then you're not going to spend that money on on an air purification system until you absolutely have to maybe that's legislation or maybe that's some sort of raising of awareness that means you can't ignore it anymore you mentioned investments <clears throat> there 
do you think that's also going to change the way or yeah how we invest generally in the world how we invest with buildings are we going to be investing based on the wellness of a building the health of a building and how it affects people my opinion is that we actually actually absolutely certainly will yeah and that's based on a few observations of what is going on at the moment so there's something called environmental and social governance which is an investor metric which starts to look at sustainability people uh, and planets as well as policy so the big one is really social because we know how to measure environmental social is the one and a lot of companies in america are reporting on sustainability indexes the stock exchange published an announcement on esg i think the year before last so this really is on the horizon but investors themselves are a little bit unclear as to what to do they know they need to abide yeah years ago of course you had the, the spectrum of investors, you know, the, those that would invest in, in only ethical companies and then the tobacco and arms investors. And so this is in the middle, really. But this, this is really uh, forcing investment into social impact ideas, into, uh, into sustainable projects. So that's going to change. And then, I, you know, I'm hearing anecdotally that lenders, banks will give preferential terms if companies have got ESG policies. Um, I think... Uh, that there's enough evidence now coming through from organizations on through surveys and leasement index is a pretty good one about how workplace you know better workplace design that's orientated around health centric metrics um, increases you know productivity and staff engagement yeah, um, yeah you know we so we're seeing that we're seeing a whole load of scientific studies coming out now you know I mean if you look at for example you know, take biophilia, for example, um, you know, this idea that we have this affinity to natural landscapes and plants. And if you take that, for example, I mean, there's so much credible data coming out now about just, you know, the, the learning enhancement from, from learning in a, in a place that's, that's, uh, has better daylight. I mean, apparently there was a report that said optimizing exposure to daylight can increase the speed of learning by, 20 to 26 percent um wow some data on hospitality that hotels that have um biophilia in the lobbies and will encourage guests to spend 36 percent more time there and and then spend more money so there's there's already there's you know and then we know things like attention restoration theory where people will cognitively be able to rest and repair and come back stronger when they're around plants Um, we've got other, other scientific theories like ecological valence theory where um, explains color preferences, you know, like green and calming and restoring and blue, uh, calming and relaxing. So, you know, there's so much, there's science, there's, there, there's many different ways of measuring this, you know, plus the way that how we feel when you, when you actually, how people actually feel inside a building that's healthier or is, is designed in a way that is empowering. But yet valuers, they just, you know, you, you, you cannot get them to value this at the moment. No. And I'm, and I'm, sp- and I'm speaking next week at the RICS uh, on a panel. And, I, and I'm, going to, I'm going to be controversial because okay. I want, you know, because I, it's about time that valuers attributed a value to this. Because every other, every other discipline can do this in, in the sense that we've spoken about, you know, science. We've spoken about lenders. We've spoken about investors. We've spoken about organizations. We've spoken about how people feel, but yet, no, sorry, we can't value it any higher. <laughs> and even the market is valuing it higher. Even the market is producing anecdotal evidence. If you look at some of the reports from the ULI, if you look at some reports from the World Green Building Council, but valuers are just, you know, they're just, they won't play ball. Why is that? Because they're not educated or, or they just generally don't value I mean, it yet? I, I, I just think it's, it's a sea change, but it's a shift and someone needs to actually step up and say, actually, do you know what we do actually start now needing to build into the equation, the effects on human health? Yeah. You know, our, our, our industry is, is, is pretty closed. It doesn't suit people to buck the trend, yeah. you know, but, but it needs to be disrupted. I think it's interesting as well, actually, with this whole trend of agile working, activity-based working or flexible working, however you want to describe it, and remote working, 
how this is also going to affect people living in homes and their homes. Because yes, we spend a lot of time in workplaces, in the office and hotels and these big environments, but we do also spend a significant amount of time at home. And how does that play into all of this as well? Well, I think changing habits at home is, is, you know, is part of the, you know, the residential sector has been slow to embrace this because frankly, it is quite difficult to get people to behave in a certain way at home. You can't just tell them to do things <laughs> when developers sell flat, you know, you will not have that can of Coke. You, you know, you will get up early and, and, and run around the park. You can't, you can't do that. That's not the world we live in. So one of the good things about the standard, the world standard is, is, is this idea of indirect influence. So what we call nudge theory and that, and that I think will start to come in. Well, there's already a lot of talk about redesigning homes to make spaces slightly feel better to encourage awareness on air, air quality, whether it's just a purification system or opening the windows more or opening windows after you've cooked, you know, you can produce a lot of um, harmful substances just from frying actually quite interesting. So I think the awareness will improve. With the shift in the industry in the sense that what we're now looking at is this idea of renting more than buying with PRS, with BTR, co-living, then I think there you have property owners that will retain control and they can manage. So that, that enables them to actually imprint wellness programs or metrics in their buildings and maintain them. So that, that, you know, unfortunately, people left to their own devices won't necessarily do what they always what's always best for them. So you're absolutely right, that, but I think that, you're that, that that's going to be a, that's going to be a uh, a shift actually. And um, I mean, the first it's a really interesting building in Bermondsey. I was there a few weeks ago at the opening. It's a co co living space, and it was great. I mean, I don't know about you, I co I'd, it's been on my radar co living, but I always had this horrific image of 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 a scene from Friends where you walk out of your bedroom into the living room and everyone's sitting there watching the television and you can't watch your program. But actually, it's, it's <laughs> nothing like that. You know, so co-living is in, in this smaller scheme, which was done by four, which was really great, was I think 26 bedrooms or 28 bedrooms and it was really well designed and community space was really great. And, and, and I can see that as a, as a, and there they are pursuing the standard, I think. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're able to maintain within within their building uh healthy premises yeah and i guess that co-living certainly um engages that idea of community as well you know absolutely and there are some specialists there talking about that and it'd be really interesting to see what they do because uh, i mean wellness is part of that so wellness events and, yeah you know i mean the other the other end of the spectrum are the guys obviously from uh, the collective who, who do it on a much bigger scale, you know, 250 people, I think 250 units in old Oak, or is it more? I can't remember, but wow. So yeah, I mean, if it was me, I'd, I'd do it. I think if I was in my early twenties, you know, given the choice of sharing a flat with a couple of people I've never met before or going and living in a really cool environment, I, I think I'd do the latter. Wouldn't you? Yeah, definitely. If you can, so I can see it. I can really see it. It's especially, you know, I guess for the younger generation, certainly the 20 year olds, you know, people Mm. in their, in their early careers, but also on the flip side, people retiring, people getting older, maybe they don't have this huge family that can kind of look after them. Mm. They could also Mm. be part of this environment that, you know, they get that community and and wellness from, from that aspect. That's a very good point. And and that, and that is what they're certainly saying in, in, um, in the four scheme that, 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 that it's not just about, young people you know really really gen z and, and millennials it is it is for people that for older older people as well so that's maybe it will be be very interesting to see yeah so you were in singapore at the mm. what conference was it or what summit was that it's a global wellness summit okay mm. what were some of the takeaways what what was going on in okay. that summit for those who didn't go <laughs> tell us all the gossip okay well okay so there's a couple of really good ones here so the first one I have to say was was the one that sticks in my mind the most was the idea of aging, ageism, and a couple of brilliant talks. 
so it turns out really that 50 is the new 30 and okay. the idea that we're all going to live a bit longer than we thought and okay. just just shifting this attitude so and it was so interesting hearing a couple of the guys speaking you know this idea that and taking the lead from asia as well that the japanese women in their 60s on average are now going to live to their mid 90s you know we're all going to life expectancy is, is is longer it's much longer than it was in say 1988 but it but but it's the attitude to aging that needs to shift and it's and it's happening in in asia you know so that if you if you look across the world at what people say what what comes up in the definition of retirement you know the phrase waiting until you die comes up and that's just a, just a shocking way of, of um, <laughs> yeah. seeing seeing living you know the last third of your life if we assume we're going to live a lot of us in, in, into our 90s so it, it was really fascinating to hear and there were some great examples of you know for example there was a lady in japan who in her mid-80s quite shocked there were no video games for 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 elderly people or, or, or let's let's get it right we can't use that term for, for older people um taught us our programming and then launched a company 91 uh, age 91 her company is now one of the top 10 software gaming companies in japan oh my gosh so that, that, that was that was just amazing this idea that that the exploration that that they you know let's do it now you know that the not 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 sort of 60 is the new 60 that kind of awful phrase that comes from america where most redundant ideas come from i have to say <laughs> and it, 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 it it's just this idea that of exploration and another brilliant example for me inspiration was this something called the, a dementia cafe where they've got i think it's called the cafe of forgotten menus so um they're quite careful when they market it so they do tell you for example you you you, you may not get what you ordered because it's staffed by by people with dementia. Yeah. So you may not you may not get what you ordered. Your food may take a long time to turn up, and your bill may your bill may bear no resemblance to what you actually bought. But the experience will be good. So this idea that that <laughs> you know for for even people with dementia getting old that we're not just going to shove them in a home. We're not just going to shove them in a cupboard at home. That they they have a right as well to get out and and to explore. Absolutely, and I, I just I just thought that was brilliant, and the, 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 the shifting out. You know, the world has become obsessed with millennials, right? You know, and it's just so important and refreshing to see things from the other perspective and see, you know, and the mindset that was happening a lot in Asia. Actually, was very interesting to see. I do love and that. I actually, yeah. sorry, Stephen, I was um, I was playing tennis last night, and I we usually play in a four on a Wednesday night. And one of the ladies couldn't make it; her son was unwell. So we got to the club, and there happened to be a, a gentleman there who who was just coming out from playing two hours of tennis. And we said to him, "Oh, do you mind just helping us out? Play play with us for an hour so we can keep our four going." <laughs> and at the end, we were chatting away, and he told us that he was eighty four years old, and he's been playing tennis for six hours yesterday and he does that three or four times a week and I was I just yeah. thought that is yeah. absolutely incredible that even yeah. at 80 83 84 86 years old you're still performing at, you know he was he was hitting some shops past us that we could not get back <laughs> at that age <laughs> yeah, so you know it was incredible and yeah we kind of yeah. um we forget a little bit no, we do. And it, you know, it's, and also I think there's a big myth around older generation and technology that only young people can understand technology. It's absolute nonsense. You know, you, you, you look at, for example, uh, people around, you know, in, in their 60s and 70s, you know, they, they have seen, they've seen the t television, they've seen the video, yeah. the video camcorder, the PC, the smartphone. Um, the first mass multimedia device, otherwise known as a remote control, <laughs> they, 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 they've seen everything. You know, in 2005, um, when the smartphones were launched, six months after they were launched, the, the, the highest group of people that owned them were, were, were aged 45 and above. So, you know, again, another myth that older people don't do technology. They've seen everything. They've seen ATMs. You know, imagine telling kids you had to go into a bank to <laughs> get the money out you know, so it, that was brilliant. Um, that was one theme. Yeah. Uh, another theme that I thought was particularly interesting was, um, it came up in one of the talks, which I think is important, is, is this idea of, of wellness bashing, which is happening a little bit. And I think probably needs to happen a little bit. You know, this idea, have we reached 
peak wellness, this idea that, um, you know, there is an attack on it a little bit, it's questioned. And, you know, that was a very interesting point for me because I think 10 years ago, there wasn't such scrutiny or there wasn't such a debate on it. You know, everything was a bit fluffy, but yeah, it's great. You know, now, of course, with social media, um, there is this, you know, there is this idea, you know, and some, there, is, there is a lack of regulation generally in wellness, which is, which is not great. Um, so I think, you know, we've, you've, you've got to go back to um, information uh, and, you know, talk to evidence that works. I mean, there isn't a person on the planet that doesn't, that couldn't benefit from wellness. So that, you know, it remains as important as it ever did. But yeah, yeah. The idea that, that, that it is just for white Western people and affluent people and elitist people. And I do find that, that I think is, is always been a problem for me, the democratization of wellness, how to get it more mainstream. And the idea that, you know, how do we measure it? Because it's always been a, you know, it's always been a little bit of a measure on, wellness and, and happiness if you like by reference to gdp you know that's always been a bit of a factor that, that low-income people don't have the time maybe they're just surviving uh, and can we move away from a, a model that, that, that just rates wellness on on income and that's there's some work being done on that at the moment so that that's interesting um i think also of course i have to mention the um un sustainability goals you know these seven the 17 um goals that are being banded around at the moment that are absolutely um critical for the survival of the planet really yeah. you know ranging from you've seen the diagram so no poverty zero hunger good health and well-being quality education gender equality clean water and sanitation affordable clean energy decent work and economic growth industry innovation and infrastructure reduced inequality sustainable citizen companies climate action life below water life on land <laughs> peace justice and strong institutions and partnership for the goals and, and um also sorry clean water and sanitation and responsible consumption and production so there, there was a really great session on that and this idea of you know pick, picking one that people can, you, know, you pick one that you can focus on as an individual as an organization pick one um run your organization in a way that, 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 that deals with that. You know, they're saying there's yeah. huge opportunities actually for businesses to, for new businesses to just focus on that. I mean, this, you know, we're gonna see some massive social impact businesses if we're not already coming, coming into the fore now. Um, you know, I was at the yoga show on the weekend and you know, this year I think the theme was the sustainable yoga equipment and clothing. That every single mat had a sustainable, on a different stool had a sustainable story whether it was rubber or stone or recycled plastic or, you know. Um, wow. And as I say, the younger people are, are, are quite rightly um, saying, you know, we've got to get this right. You guys yeah. have been here a bit longer, have screwed the planet up. <laughs> well, I guess there's, there's lots of controversy around that as well because a lot of the older generation are saying it, it, wasn't, it wasn't them or isn't them that screwed the planet up because, you know, they didn't have plastic bags. They were using paper bags to collect their groceries from supermarkets. And they didn't, well, they didn't even have supermarkets. They had local grocers and, and bakeries and butchers and that kind of thing. So mm. there's Capitalism different opinions, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I, I'm, I'm making it very binary. It's not, it's not, it's not that binary, but, but certainly the, the opinion... I think, and the, and the consumer consciousness is going in a different direction. I think for me, I'm, I'm always curious about health well-being. So I've been very lucky in my life. I, my brother and I were brought up in Mauritius, tropical island. So we had access to, you know, the beach, the ocean, mountains, the outdoors quite a lot. We, we had access to exotic fruit and vegetables and beautiful mm. seafood. So our life was all about health and well-being but just naturally we were mm. part of that environment it wasn't even a thing it right. was just that's your life and so well, that's become our life now still and we're very healthy you know don't get me wrong i'm i'm a chocoholic so chocolate is my <laughs> my kryptonite unfortunately but other than that you know we're, we're reasonably healthy and we we do sports we, we go to the gym and we exercise and you know eat healthily and try and look after ourselves mentally and, and that sort of thing and have great friends but I, I just thought that everybody did that, but it's curious to me that that's really not a thing for many people. How do we get mm. people thinking about their health and well-being properly, like really engage with it? Well, it's got to be education, isn't it? I mean, how, however you however you 
promulgate that, I suppose. And, and that is the good thing about technology in some ways, that, that we do have access to information. You know, there's a lot of, I mean, some of it perhaps um, needs to be a little bit more um, subject to scrutiny. I mean, I guess, um, how do you get people to, to engage more in health and well-being? I mean, it's just raising awareness all the time. And I think, you know, the, 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 the awareness now around mental health is, is very important. And, and that's growing and that's really good to see and it's only going to get better I, I think there'll be more discussions about that and you know what we do and, and and trying to understand what is causing I think that's probably a perfect way to end our conversation not that I want to but um <laughs> <laughs> we I think there's about 10 other subjects we could talk about on the podcast so yeah we'll, we'll definitely absolutely. get you back well, on well, again well, to be a bit more two. Yes, part two, and we'll get specific down down to the, the grains of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that would be a pleasure. Be Was pleasure. there anything yeah. before we do stop that you did want to mention, bring up, or share with with people listening um, about anything that you're doing, or just what they what maybe they should be doing? I think be be curious, read re, read around topics. Um, you've got to keep learning, learning all the time. And 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 I think probably the big takeaway, a couple of big takeaways are, I mean, sleep is very important, so important to get to get good sleep. To, and then awareness really comes in the yoga. So if you haven't tried yoga and you just think about going to the gym all the time or running, I, I really would encourage you to try it and and listen to how yoga makes you become more aware in your own body and then yeah. in your own mind. And, and, and the, you know, I'm not in any way saying don't go running or don't lift weights because I do all of that. And I think it's, it's very important, but, but the idea of, of beginning to listen to the whispered messages of the body that we've forgotten how to do is, is very important. So I'm going to, I'm going to end with a bit of a plug for yoga. There. So listen to your body. Perfect. Listen to your body. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Stephen. That was brilliant. Thank you.